1: Oh. <laughs>
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. I hope everyone is having a wonderful day so far and a wonderful week. Uh, And here you go, back to Paratruth Radio, what you've been waiting for for the last seven days. So you're welcome. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Justin, it's been a crazy kind of week just with the beginning of December, at least over here, you know, it's like Thanksgiving ended. We had no snow. It was warm, like 70 degrees, 60, 70 degrees. And then two days later, a snowstorm and just destroyed the Northeast Ohio. So, but you have no snow and you're even further North in North Dakota, (laughs) which is crazy. Uh, So congratulations. You're lucky.
2: But I keep telling everybody it's a 2020 winter for us here
0: in Dakota. <laughs> Well, beyond just the snowstorms and no no snowstorms for other areas. Uh there's been a weird thing that happened over a couple of weeks ago now, but uh it, it seems to be a constant uh discussion amongst not just Americans, but among the world, actually. And this you've probably already heard on one or two podcasts, but we're going to go ahead and bring it up again. And that is the monolith that was found in Utah. Yep. Now, this is something that was very interesting, very sci fi for sure, straight out of a novel. Uh, in fact, when I saw the pictures of it, the very first thing I thought was 2001's a, or 2001 A Space Odyssey. Because in that movie, there's also a monolith in a desert with a bunch of apes jumping around it, uh, which really looked very similar if you looked at any of the pictures or videos of this monolith and all the people running around it. Mm. Uh, So it was odd, for sure. If whoever put it there, if it wasn't mere coincidence, then clearly they had some type of inspiration, either through a book or movie. But why don't you tell us, for those of you who didn't, know about this I don't know much about it Justin uh, a little bit more about this monolith like the height or what seems to be happening or happened here
2: yeah so um, there were some uh, um, I forget what their job was that they had to do with the the park service and checking out the area for, for where they found this thing and they hadn't seen it prior. Um, they came in and, and they saw that it was, I believe it was six feet high. Um, I, I can't remember if it was more than that. But uh, it was completely metal, uh, smooth metal, uh, had... Uh, pointed straight north, uh, had connected to all the, the directions, north, south, east, and west. Um, and the the guys that had discovered it had no idea where it had come from. Um, they had done some more measurements just to, to see uh, how correct it was. Um, I had seen... a a comment from someone about that saying that there were rivets in it that supposedly lined up to the Orion belt. Um, and it was just odd. And then two days later it vanishes and nobody knows where or how I believe now there was just this little, uh, pyramid shape compared to the giant monolith that it was. Um, and nobody can explain it. Um, now, and Eric, you saw this article as well, there was one discovered in Romania. Uh, not as, as smooth as this first one we found in Utah. Uh, it had circular shapes carved into it. Uh, not as well made or as uh, exact as the one that we found in Utah. Um, and then, again, disappears. And, you know, people, there's all these different theories going on back and forth. Um, And and my wife, Shelly, found this article first and foremost and had started telling me about it. Then I had seen the article and actually read through it for the one in Utah. And she's like, you know, how can somebody do this? And it's like, uh, you know, really it in the middle of night and nobody around it, you know the hoaxers will get out there and it it is fascinating, yes, absolutely uh but after the second one popped up, the first thing to my mind is, yeah, somebody hoaxing um is it is it possible that something else is going on? Sure, but why first Utah and then all the way in Romania? It doesn't make sense to me unless there's some type of ley lines that I, I haven't studied ley lines in so long, so I'm not really sure. But um, the the first thought I felt was was hoax or or just somebody being a prankster or something. So, what what were your first thoughts on that when you had read about it?
0: Uh, I mean, I. Of course, I immediately just thought it was just some art piece, you know, n- nothing really alien about it. Uh, and I never really did think. I thought it'd be cool, you know, the, the idea that maybe this is some sort of alien technology that was placed here or something. Uh, but, you know, it's still kind of far-fetched for me with the whole idea of aliens just dropping something randomly. Um, there wasn't a lot of evidence. It still isn't a lot of evidence to support any type of extraterrestrial activity in this matter. In fact, there's more evidence against the extraterrestrial activity uh, position than there is just with just a prankster or an art, uh, an artist who is trying to make either some type of uh, statement or just trying to pull people out of their shell, you know, with we're all stuck in our homes and we're right. COVID, 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 COVID. Here's this. Uh, but, you know, when you really look at the the articles that are appearing And you you start to pay attention to some of these pictures of this monolith, uh, which by the way, to be clear for everybody, it isn't really a monolith because a monolith is stone it is made out of stone. So this is just a sculpture that was hollow uh, in the center. Uh, It had three sides. It was in the shape of a triangle and then a top, and it was cut into the stone uh, at the base. Um, However, it did disappear. And yesterday or two days ago, somebody did actually come forward and stated they saw what happened to it and even took pictures. And so they uploaded this photo evidence to the news. And what they said happened was they went and they saw the sculpture at night. And when they got there, they saw four men or four people anyway, walking towards it. And they started pushing on it on one side, trying to knock it over. And eventually they succeeded Uh, talking about how it's litter and it shouldn't be here, uh, so on and so forth. They dragged it over to a wheelbarrow and smashed it into pieces and carried it off. And the one guy turned back to the person who came forward and said, leave no evidence. And that was it. Uh, They disappeared into the night with this monolith, uh, leaving only the top of the sculpture, uh, which was a little metal triangle uh, on the stone. So, In terms of where it went, there is evidence uh, that supported by photos that it was actually stolen by people or even by the artists themselves. We don't know. Uh, Police haven't specified whether or not they're looking into it. They did say no originally. They don't care. It was there. Now it's gone. It doesn't matter. Uh, There is a state. I think the state government is looking into it uh, because it was private property. And so they're investigating who would have possibly did that. It's called it's vandalism basically. Uh, And having all those people there uh, over the last few days left a lot of trash in a natural habitat where animals and uh, various creatures live. So that's problem. Uh, But yeah, you know, there's an article that uh, regarding this whole situation of how it disappeared. Uh, And we're going to post that on the link at the bottom here. So you guys can go ahead and click on that, see the pictures and when you look at some of these pictures on these things, you could see that it really does look man-made. I mean, it's just sheet metal. Uh, you can go to, to wherever, to, to Home Depot or Lowe's and find something just like this and cut it, use rivets. Of all things, by the way, if it's alien technology, why rivets? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, there's more there's a whole lot more detail in the 1947 Roswell incident uh, in terms of spacecraft and various um, metals that were what was it like? It was like foil and they had various images on some of these pieces uh, Yeah, it felt like is...
2: foil, but it wasn't foil um, it right. would it was kind of like a smart metal, it would go back to its shape of being flat or whatever shape it was in at the time that they found it
0: Right. So, you know, it, obviously very different from what people were saying uh, existed even back then. As for the one in Romania, there was an interview with, I think his name is Andre Carabellia. He's the mayor of Piatra and uh, which is uh, where this particular monolith was found in Romania. He said that he saw it up close. And that it was nowhere near, as you said, as smooth as the other one. And that he is, despite a few jokes, talking about alien teenagers coming to earth, stealing it from their parents and dropping them off at various planets, um, that it looks very amateur and is certainly a copycat. He said, even though it is like a triangle as well, there are very poorly done welds that kept it together. uh, Something that an amateur would have probably made the mistake of doing in the weld And when it disappeared and he went back to look at it, there was a hole that was covered with dirt just like to top it off and hide it. So there is that as well. Not to hurt everyone's feelings and their expectations of aliens, but there is a lot of evidence supporting otherwise. So I'll leave it there.
2: Well, I mean, they can also go into how it can be a conspiracy that the government's covering it up. And, yeah, I mean, I've said it before. The government isn't telling us everything, sure. But, um, and the way that the first one disappeared is a little odd. But if you can tell that they're man-made, most stuff that we find, like you said, that we think is extraterrestrial has these weird traits to them, uh... Then, then we question that.
0: Absolutely. Well, but consider this as well. If it was at all alien or any, if anyone is suspicious in the government or military that it was alien, there's no way they would have let anybody get near enough to, to be touching it and smearing it and standing on top of it, as you'll see in many photos if you look it up. Um, mm-hmm. They would have closed the place down and likely I'd imagine would have found it before anybody else with their surveillance uh, satellites. But then again, it, incidents happen here. You know, we could have just, they couldn't see it and these other guys did and it broke, you know, and maybe it was smarter just to let people go. So they weren't getting all too like, Oh, this is real suspicious now. Um, but we'll never know, at least not yet until somebody comes forward and says, Hey, it was me. As far as we know, it could have been aliens.
2: Right. Right. Well, that this isn't what the actual episode is about, guys, but we wanted to touch base on it because it is uh, kind of breaking news in, in the time that we're living right now. But um, the episode today uh, was something that was actually really fascinating that Eric brought up to me. Um, and it's about the the origin of Santa. Uh, we've talked about different things about Santa and Christmas throughout the years on Paratruth radio. Uh, this one in particular is not as uh, whimsical or or spiritually powered as the past ones, but it it's actually a rather interesting uh, idea. So um, Eric, I wanted to, have you tell us about this article what you found because to me i thought it was fascinating so yeah
0: yeah so i can't you know every year justin and i have a discussion as to what we're going to bring to the table especially for the holidays uh and you know after so many years you start to realize you've done a lot and there isn't a lot left you know right. to talk about uh And so I did a lot of research just trying to find something new. And this one caught my attention and it was really interesting, like you said. Uh, And this, there's a number of websites that I came across, but I'm specifically using livescience.com. There's also one by NPR that's very good to use as well uh, if you're interested in this information. But this one kind of breaks it all down. It took a previous article and broke it down for you so it was easier to read. And it's the idea that Santa is basically explainable by the use of mushrooms. What does that mean? (laughs) Well, (laughs) it it is believed basically that, uh, that the shamans who lived in Siberian and Arctic regions who basically came up with the idea of Santa were actually drugged by eating mushrooms and they had these uh, weird visions of what Santa would look like or did look like and they came up with this story and started sharing it with everybody uh, until it manifested into what we know Santa is today. What I would like to do, and what I don't know if Justin, you're on this as well, but
2: I'm not trying the mushrooms with you, sorry.
0: Here. You're not, oh. <laughs> okay, I'll find somebody else. <laughs> um so there's just eight points here as to why mushrooms might be the reason behind santa's existence so we're just going to go through them a little bit so the very first one of course that i've already mentioned is that the arctic shamans gave out mushrooms on at the winter solstice this could be the beginning of giving christmas presents right So according to the theory, the legend of Santa derives from shamans in the Siberian and Arctic regions who dropped into local teepee-like homes with a bag full of hallucinogenic mushrooms as presents in late December, according to John Rush, who's an anthropologist and instructor at Sierra College in Rockland, California. Now, as the story goes... Up until a few hundred years ago, these practicing shamans or priests connected to the older traditions uh, would basically col- collect the what's known as the holy mushroom. I think it's pronounced the Amanita muscaria. It's basically a red mushroom with white spots all over it and a white stem. Uh, it's pretty common in many images if anyone's ever looked up a mushroom before. Now, <clears throat> Apparently, these priests or shamans would dry these mushrooms and then give them as gifts on the winter solstice. Now, Rush told Live Signs in an email that because snow is usually blocking doors, there was an opening in the roof through which people entered and exited. Thus, the chimney story of Santa coming and going was born.
2: Yeah, um, the the other name for this mushroom is the fly agaric in English, uh, and uh, okay. the I had read the article from Inhabitat, and it mentions that this particular mushroom is also made popular by fairy tale illustrations, old Disney movies, uh, the Super Mario Brothers game, and the Smurf cartoons. Oh yeah! So pretty much our entire childhood was a uh, hallucinogenic-fueled cartoon mashup I mean, because people were consider, eating these mushrooms.
0: Now, I don't know about uh, you said the Smurfs, right? I don't know yep. how that fits in. I could see Super Mario eating one of these mushrooms and he grows all of a sudden, and then he shrinks when he gets hurt. And It reminds me a lot of Alice in Wonderland as, Justin, you know I'm a fan of. When she mm-hmm. eats these mushrooms and things like that, she can grow and get smaller as well. And, of course, Alice in Wonderland is just crazy hallucinogenic stuff anyway. The whole thing is like, she's drugged <laughs> through the entire thing, basically. Uh, so it's really kind of messed up.
2: <laughs> but Well, the yeah. Smurfs, I mean, it could be Gargamel ate this fly, and he's hallucinating that these little blue people are running around trying to take over his world.
0: That's a good point. That's very possible.
2: <laughs> and that's where they lived is in these mushroom houses. So... <laughs> But yeah, continue.
0: All right. Yeah. So number two, this one might be an interesting surprise, is that mushrooms, like gifts, believe it or not, are found beneath pine trees. At least these particular mushrooms are. Uh, That's just one of the symbolic connections, of course, between the holy mushroom and the iconography of basically Christmas in general. You know, according to several historians, uh, people who study fungi's influence on human societies, this kind of thing just radiates with Christmas for some reason, right? I mean, we see Christmas presents under the tree and some of them, maybe they're wrapped in red and white paper. Does that work? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but in his, in in uh, John Arthur's book, Mushrooms and Mankind, he points out that the holy mushroom, also known, as you said, the fly agaric, uh, lives throughout the northern hemisphere under uh, conifers and birch trees, in which the fungi, which are deep red with white flax, have a symbiotic relationship. This, of course, partially explains the practice of Christmas trees and the placement of bright red and white presents under it, uh, which look a lot like the mushroom as well. That might be why we associate red and white with Christmas uh, or even red, white, and green. You figure the red and white for the mushrooms and the green, of course, for the pine trees. Now, why do people actually bring pine trees into their houses at the winter solstice, placing brightly colored red and white packages under their uh, underneath the tree as gifts to show their love for each other? Well, it is probably because underneath the pine... Uh, in the exact location where one would find these most likely sacred substances. Uh, and they are actually mushrooms that believe it or not, despite many people apparently eating them are very dangerous and uneditable. Uh, they are very poisonous. So it's a good chance that a lot of these people who came up with the story also died. <laughs> well, I'm thinking about that now.
2: I don't know if that article goes into it, but also to when the mushroom is dried, it's not as poisonous. So that's why the the hallucinogens. Uh. Um, also, deer were are actually uh, drawn to these mushrooms and will eat them and get high as well. And they the uh, um, the shamans would actually collect the deer urine because it would filter out the the poison and drink it that way to get high. Um, so they would have either the dried mushrooms or the urine to bring back to have these hallucinogenic trips. Um, and on top of that, I, I'm, again, I'm not sure if this goes into, if your article goes into it, um, the deer and humans both, uh, this mushroom almost uh, creates kind of like a uh, an, an adrenaline rush. If you're in a car accident or something, you get kind of super uh, strength or superpowers because it causes the the muscular ter- system to go into overdrive. And um, so that's these deer would get high off these mushrooms and jump and play, and it almost looked like they were flying because that's how high they would jump. And then the... Shaman watching this, who is also high, also sees this and thinks, holy crap, this deer is flying, and also felt he could fly himself.
0: Right. And not to mention that reindeer are extremely common in the Northern Hemisphere, in this particular area, especially. Um, And so it only makes sense if you're going to come up with some type of spirit animal. Uh, For Santa Claus, it would have to be the reindeer because... That's what you're seeing, right? I mean, anyone right. who does any type of creative art, uh, you're awfully uh, often inspired by the things that we see or hear. And this is very much similar. I mean, this is a creative story, obviously, the whole idea of Santa, um, who <clears throat> I don't believe in anymore. But we
2: won't. I sure as hell do. That. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh It'd be crazy if Santa actually does exist. Although here's this, I might've shared this there once upon a time. Uh, when I was a kid, me and both my sisters heard this. Uh, we were sleeping in the room, actually in the house that I'm living in now, downstairs, and we heard bells chiming outside. We looked outside, couldn't find anything, but we kept hearing them. And my parents were like, get to bed, get to bed. Santa's not going to land. So we've, went to bed, fell asleep the next morning, uh, we woke up with a surprise with a surprise in that when you looked outside in the backyard, there were reindeer footprints and sled tracks, but no human footprints, which is really weird. And to this day, if it was faked by my parents and neighbors and whoever they did a tremendous job, because I still can't figure it out. Uh, and I'm 34 <laughs> now. And this is back when I was like maybe 10, 9, something like that. So incredible. It might have been Santa. It's very possible.
2: I still, you were eating those mushrooms, been, weren't so, you? Who knows?
0: It's possible. But I wasn't choosing <laughs> to eat them. They're probably <laughs> <me>. <laughs> The whole reindeer thing, that was actually number three on my list, so that is done and covered. Okay. Check mark. Good job, Justin. Uh, number four here is that shamans dressed like, guess who, Santa Claus. Uh, the shamans also had a tradition of dressing up like the mushroom, and that is basically they dressed up in red suits with white spots. That's number three. Very simple. Yeah. I mean, my article also
2: says, or white trim if they didn't have the white spots
0: or white trim. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if there's still shaman up there who follow these same traditions or not. Uh, It'd be interesting to actually talk to them if there are and see what the history is uh, in regard Mm. to Santa and get, you know, some kind of account that way. Uh, So that was number four. Number five, mushrooms actually abound in Christmas iconography. Uh, Tree ornaments shaped like the mushroom and other depictions of the fungi are also prevalent in Christmas decorations throughout the world, particularly in Scandinavia and Northern Europe. Uh, That said, it has to be made clear that are known that there's a clear connection between modern day Christmas and the ancestral ancestral practice of eating mushrooms in coincidence, but there isn't actually any direct link. So we don't know if the, like this whole decoration with the mushroom is actually directly linked with the story and with the, the shamans, or if it just happens to be that that particular nation Maybe it's, for all we know, it could be like uh, we, like when we talk about we have holly around Christmas or mm-hmm. pumpkin pie around Thanksgiving. You know, it's uh, pumpkins around, you know, it could be a winter vegetable uh, or, or, you know, something like that. Who knows? Um, but Yeah. Number six is that Rudolph's nose resembles a bright red mushroom. Which, by the way, let's get this straight because <laughs> I literally just came to this conclusion this year, which is crazy, is that Rudolph's nose never actually glowed. It never had an internal glow like you see in the movies. Uh, in the story, it's just bright red, and it's shiny. Go figure. I always thought it just glued, Like the, It makes sense. Why would he have a glowing nose? Um, unless he has some type of electronic... Battery-operated thing inside his belly, but
2: Rudolph was a drunk. Don't know, so that's why his he nose was red and glowed. Pe- yeah, maybe, or he was high. But that's because on he was, was red mushroom.
0: and he they wouldn't <laughs> let him play any reindeer games. I would drink too. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so. In regards to in regard to Rudolph's red nose, uh, it's just another example of the mushroom imagery, of course, resurfacing. Now his nose looks exactly like a red mushroom. Uh, in fact, even if you look at various pictures, or the idea of it being shiny or glowing, you usually like if you're an artist, you'll create that by putting a little white dot in the center mm. off to the side to show a reflection of light. Uh, and so that kind of shows the same red and white mushroom imagery as well. Uh, and it's pretty interesting that this red mushroom nosed deer would then be placed at the head uh, of the rest of the reindeer and the sleigh leading them, uh, as if this is the source of the material right up front in everybody's face. Uh, many of these traditions, of course, merged uh, or at least were projected upon St. Nicholas, who was a fourth century uh, saint known for his generosity, as the story goes. Uh, but there's little debate about the consumption of mushrooms by Arctic and Siberian tribes people and shamans. But the connection to Christmas traditions is more tenuous, uh, or tenuous and mysterious. Uh, and mainly that is whether or not the shamans really did come up with these stories, nobody really knows for sure. They're just coming up with this explanation based on other stories. Uh, so we don't have any guaranteed facts that the mushroom here is indeed the reason behind Santa's story, but this is a possibility uh, or at least one version as to why Santa now exists.
2: Oh, I think it it's more so uh showing the symbolism of what these traditions were and how we've incorporated them into what Santa Claus is today and Christmas is today because um the the big fat jolly man that we know today was actually created by Coca-Cola um uh, the the illustrator right. for Coca-Cola uh even though in other uh, publications he uh still had the red suit and everything but he was more of like a gnome and he was skinny. Coca-Cola for whatever reason decided to create this fat guy who can get down a chimney instead of a skinny guy. Um, But uh, apparently too and um, I don't know if this was in your article or not but I guess the, um, the fly agaric is a symbol for chimney sweeps as well because uh, Chimney Sweeps uh, um, let me read this really quick
1: You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.
2: Oh, uh, because the the original imagery was the, the shaman going in through what would be the chimney of the yurt, um, chimney sweeps had adopted this symbol for being a chimney sweep because it was it had to do with going down a chimney um so yeah it was it, it then they start using start using it in early christmas cards uh because of the chimney sweep and fly agaric uh symbology um but nobody knew why there was no explanation it was just this is what we're using so um but uh on top of that, you know, we, we've we talked about this in the past how Christmas has adopted stuff from a pagan religion, um, where, you know, we have the Yule log, um, and that is kind of where the Christmas tree kind of comes from as well. Um, but after, you know, reading this article, it makes sense ca- that it was kind of adopted from multiple uh, beliefs.
0: Right. For sure. Uh, especially when you consider the American version of Santa. Now, obviously, uh, most of us in America only know the American version, but there are various right. different types of Santas throughout the world. And we've actually covered this, uh, I think, a couple of years ago, actually. and uh, Maybe it's something we'll revisit this year just because it's been a while. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of what even what we're talking about here is really being documented a little bit more toward the american idea behind santa uh as opposed to maybe like the scandinavian one like obviously we don't have mushrooms <laughs> like for for christmas or like just <laughs> decorating our houses you know that's a little weird but other places it isn't so weird and that's because of these various different types of santas or how they dress is different there's some in white some in green uh there's one in blue you know so It just you're right it really comes down to who's telling the story and where those stories are being pulled from and when you have so many different people in the world you're going to find that there's a lot of stories
2: oh and America is a melting pot of different cultures too so
0: absolutely so here we are at number seven Uh, this is called a visit from St. Nicholas I mean we all know about that right uh, mm-hmm. It may have actually been borrowed from shaman rituals. Now, many of the modern details of the modern day American Santa Claus come from the ninth from the 1823 poem "A Visit from St. Nicholas," which later became famous as Justin. Do you know it? Um, got him off. Guard, I, folks. I do.
2: Yeah, I do know it, but I can't remember.
0: <laughs> got him. Uh <laughs> it was twa- or it is twas the night before was Christmas. Twas the night before Christmas, yes, yes. Uh yeah. Uh the poem is credited to uh Clement Clark Moore, an aristocratic academic who lived in New York City. Now the origins of Moore's visions are unclear, although Arthur, uh Rush and Ruck, these are the three names that have been used throughout the article here tonight uh all think the poet probably drew from northern european motives that derive from siberian or arctic uh shamanic, sh- shamanic that's weird traditions anyway at the very least uh it is written that santa's sleigh and reindeer are probably references to various related northern european mythologies Justin one of your favorite mythologies of course for example is the Norse God Thor known in <laughs> German as do you know the German name for Thor it's pretty interesting.
2: Um, I don't
0: it's Donner
2: oh yeah yeah talked we talked about that we talked about that when we uh, talked okay. about the different Santa Claus types yep
0: yeah so Donner here we go a name of a reindeer right who, uh, Thor, flew in a chariot drawn by two goats, which had been replaced, of course, by the modern or in the modern retelling of Santa's reindeer. Uh, other historians were, of course, unaware of this connection between Santa and shamans or magic mushrooms, including Stephen Nisabom, who wrote a book about the origins of Christmas traditions, and Pen Rostad uh, of the University of Texas at Austin, both of whom were contacted of course by live science, but didn't respond. And that's one of the things that's really interesting about uh, the story of Christmas is you see these various books. In this case, we're talking about this possible mushroom origin of Santa and the idea behind uh, what is now celebrated as Christmas. Um, Whereas other historians have shown uh, an origin of Christmas traditions without this idea or understanding of the mushrooms, which means that their stories are being pulled from a completely different source, which may be true or untrue. Uh, So I think the moral of the story here is everything you guys think you believe, you probably, it probably isn't true. And the things you know are true, might be or might not be, we don't know. (laughs) It's best just to sit back and stop thinking.
2: Just believe what you want to believe. We
0: all waste our time. Yeah. So was that the last one? Number seven. I think with there, there's technically one more, um, and of course, it's the thing that just kind of it's the big debate. Really, it brings this all down to one big debate. So number eight is the 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 point is titled as Santa is from the Arctic. So one historian, his name is Ronald Hutton told NPR that the theory of a mushroom Santa connection is flawed, which means it's very possible folks. Everything we just shared with you completely false, but maybe not. We don't know. Uh, If you look at the evidence of Siberian shamanism, which Ronald Hutton has done, uh, he says, you find that shamans did not travel by sleigh and they didn't usually deal with reindeer spirits. They very, In fact, they very rarely took the mushrooms to get trances and they didn't have red or white clothes. But Rush disagrees, saying shamans did deal with reindeer spirits and the ingestion of mushrooms is well-documented. Now, Siberian shamans did wear red deer pelts, but the coloring of Santa's garb is mainly meant to mirror the coloring of the mushrooms, Rush added. As for the sleighs, the point isn't the exact mode of travel, but that the trip, in quotation marks, involves transportation to a different celestial realm. It's curious to wonder whether or not this trip is a literal trip, Or a psychological one. Sometimes people would also drink, as you said, the urine of the shaman or the reindeer. I think drinking the urine of a human is even worse than the reindeer. At least the reindeer is eating organic things. (laughs) The way this
2: article is is worded, it seems, yeah, it seems like the reindeer pee is actually clean in comparison to uh, us drinking our own, but.
0: Right. And as you said, those compounds, the things that are usually very bad for you, uh, the, the harmful chemicals that is, are actually broken down by the body and it comes out as just water. Uh, in fact, I remember watching an episode of Bear Grylls. I'm sure there's a number of episodes of Bear Grylls uh, in which he lands in the desert, is very thirsty and decides, hey, there's no water, but I can mix some." And he pees into his clothes Uh, And then rings his nasty, sweaty shirt full of pee into his mouth and drinks it. Yeah, I bet his wife's happy. (laughs) Actually, I missed the Man vs. Wild. I used to love that show. Uh, According to Ruck, people who know about shamanism accept this entire story about magic mushrooms. Now, is there any other reason that Santa lives in the North Pole? It is a tradition that can be traced back to Siberia. So what do you guys think? Yay or nay? Justin? Mushrooms? Is this the whole reason Santa
2: exists? Um, I think if all of this stuff is correct, uh, all these, if both these articles are correct, um... I I can see how parts of this are connected to what we now know is the, the legend of Santa Claus. Uh, But just from the eating of the mushrooms, it coming from that? No, I don't think so. I think it's more so it's just a kind of amalgamation of some of the, the practices that are talked about in this article.
0: Sure. You know, I, I think I, I think that there's at least part of the story here in, in terms of how Santa came to be or the story of the reindeer and just the whole idea uh, of the modern Christmas. Um and I, and as you said, it's I mean America especially being a huge melting pot. We're getting traditions from various places, uh Siberia and Scandinavia. Uh, you know, there's even you know, Chinese and uh, so many other traditions uh, in terms of Santa and what he looks like, how he participates. I mean, the one thing that tend to be very uh, similar is of course that Santa seems to, for the most part, ride around on reindeer. I know there's a couple of stories out there in which he doesn't, he rides around with uh, other animals um, and the others that he delivers gifts or good tidings to people and, um, mm-hmm why kids nowadays Where that came from like you know i mean obviously the story uh with the shamans is that they delivered these mushrooms to as far as we know to adults because they're toxic mushrooms meant for mm-hmm. hallucinating um so how it transitioned to a children's story or, you know, We don't know exactly, at least not yet. Maybe there's a story out there or a theory as to why children, I don't know if it's a commercial thing, a commercial business, or if it's just somehow translated to that at some point down the line. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, Santa has by far one of the most popular characters in American tradition. And I think just in tradition in general throughout the world uh, around this time of year, Um, I think every December, like, I can't help it myself. You start thinking of Santa after Thanksgiving, you start thinking of Christmas, you start thinking of, you know, all the candy canes and the presents and all the joys that come Mm -hmm. with Christmas, uh, the snow and everything like that. Uh, and when you look back on your own lives, I mean, maybe some of you have the story as to why or how Santa and this whole idea came into your life. Like for me, I just grew up with it believed in Santa from day one, you know, basically. Um, And it's, you know, you look back and you think, well, I don't really know why I believe necessarily back then or where the story came from. All I knew is that there was a story and you believe it uh, as a child. So I don't know. I, I think it's cool though, that there are, there's this theory about these psychologically enhanced mushrooms that like to Make people believe in flying reindeer and (laughs) the rest. It's cool.
2: Well, I mean, the kids thing really comes more so from St. Nicholas, who they believe also is the embodiment of Santa Claus and how his kindness to children was the basis for Christmas as well. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot more that goes into it than just the... The uh, history of Saint Nicholas and his kindness for kids, because as we just talked about, there's multiple traditions that were not followed in uh, Saint Nicholas's right. day that we have today. So, um, and the as far as the colors of Santa Claus, uh could be these mushrooms. It could be just coca-cola decided to go with these colors because it was their colors and that's where it comes from um because i mean saint nicholas was a cardinal so he wore red but it wasn't like trimmed in white it just had the collar of of a white and you know the the uh, cross and stuff so yeah i i as far as I'm concerned I think Saint Nicholas or uh, Santa Claus is just an embodiment in the practice of Christmas of multiple cultures coming together
0: very well then alright folks well in that case we are going to go ahead and take our break for the night so stay tuned we'll be right back
1: there are spirits everywhere watching Why don't you burp next time? Somebody get me Brian Anderson.
2: All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin,
0: and I'm Eric.
2: And we've been talking about the association with magic mushrooms. Uh, The correct term for this mushroom is fly agaric, or what was the other the uh the the other name of it eric uh
0: it was the uh, amanita muscaria
2: okay so it's a mushroom that is red with white dots on the top um supposedly the shamans of the north would seek out these mushrooms um a lot of times when they were doing that, they would wear a red outfit with white trim, um, come down the chimney if the snow was covering the entrance to the yurt, which is the houses that they lived in. Um, and they would dry out these mushrooms in socks over a fire uh, and distribute them to the town to celebrate the winter solstice. solstice. Um, is it true? Is it not uh, we've got a couple articles that says yes but uh, there is a historian that contradicts that that also says no so um, I believe it I believe that these uh, these articles it's a good possibility because shamanism uh, there is a very uh, direct link to who using hallucinogenic uh, things to reach a higher state of consciousness in order to do dream walks or whatever any particular culture called it um, but uh, yeah it I, we had voiced it before the the break but I mean in my personal opinion is it directly related to these mushrooms uh, Christmas I mean uh, and Santa Claus no uh, there are traditions that it sounds like we use that they used then. Um, And it kind of just followed from there to Europe and from Europe to America. Um, But uh, Eric, I guess, what are your final thoughts? Do you think that there is a kind of direct link as far as the mushrooms are concerned?
0: Um it's hard to say that there is a direct link. Uh, the evidence here again is mostly just by a couple of a couple of professors uh, who say that based on their research they exist or this is the reason behind it. But they didn't really give any sources as to where that material came from or where they found this material, which is always a problem. You know, so you, when you're doing research, by the way, folks, you always want to make sure that there's credits um, or references as to where this information is coming from so you can obviously look deeper into the information or at least have an idea uh, or an understanding of where this stuff is and it's not just made up you know Uh, so with that said I I think there are some direct maybe some direct uh, references here uh, or connections and mainly that is that the shamans being in the Arctic and the Siberia or in Siberia And Santa being from the North Pole is little more than a coincidence. So I definitely think that there is that. Um, But at the same time, again, December, at least the American version and the Northern hemisphere, it's usually pretty cold. Uh, So it would only make sense that if Santa is going to disappear for an entire year, what better better place than one of the most secluded places on earth than the North Pole. So yeah, Fair I don't know. Enough. I mean, I, I think there, like I said, there's some some connections, but not enough. Right.
2: All right, folks. Uh, that is Santa Shrooms. Um, I, I think that this was a really good one. Like I had said, it's not as uh, spiritual or or uh, paranormally based as we usually do. Um, I do enjoy our talks about cryptids from Christmas and uh, the origins of Santa Claus and stuff like that. But this was actually a really interesting topic. Uh, I loved our episode. I I don't remember if it was last year or a couple years ago about the badass Santa because Saint Nicholas was apparently a bruiser as well as being nice to children. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, We'll keep going with trying to find some interesting topics for Christmas time. Cause as Eric said earlier, we do, we have covered so much, um, since our time as pair radio and even prior, um, you know, we've, we've dug into Krampus, we've dug into different people that are like Krampus or, or beings, um, different beings or people that are like Santa Claus, um, so we'll start pulling some fresh stuff for you guys. Uh, I'm I'll try and make sure I get some of the older episode uh, Christmas episodes up for you to listen to as well. Uh, just if we don't cover a lot of the stuff that we already have or revisit it, we'll get those up for you guys to enjoy as well. Um, any further thoughts from you, Eric? Uh, just
0: as always, uh, make sure you subscribe and uh, hit like, and you know follow and all that thing on all of our social media. And remember, through New Lantern Media, which is our uh, our media company, uh, we do have other shows on there now. Uh, in fact, we have a couple more podcasts, as well as a uh, Facebook video live uh, feed that comes out on Sundays. Is that eight PM or nine PM? I forget.
2: Uh it comes out. 8 p.m. Eastern, um, on Facebook under Richard Roland. He's the, he's the main host. And then Katie Turner is his co-host. Um, and they, they've talked about a lot of interesting stuff when it comes to the paranormal. And the best part about their show is if you watch them live on Facebook, uh, it is the listeners that truly make the show because there's the interaction there and, you get to ask questions and, and stuff was, like that.
0: Yeah. So. It was actually a lot of, it was funny because a friend of ours was surprised that both Justin and I were in chat and listening to the show live uh, about a week ago, which by the way, Justin was that wasn't organized. (laughs) I (laughs) happened to jump on it because I saw that it was, that it was live and I was like, Oh, I'm going to check it out because this is under our banner now. And uh, then you were in there too. And it's like, Oh, Hey, this is fun. It was actually a lot of fun. It was, it's really cool to see, uh, see the interaction, which we don't get much of on these pre-records anymore. Like we used to, when we were live. Right. Uh, So it's nice to see that again. And, And of course, you know, guys, girls, kids, whoever's listening, um, Make sure you also check out Paranormal Heart. She's on every second and last Sunday, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you're not going to want to miss that. Great show. A lot of very fun, interesting topics and a grand number of of uh, guests that she has on as well. So definitely check that. Of course, you also have Beyond Reason. Uh, not the best show on our under our banner but you you know i'm just kidding that's justin's (laughs) show of course i'm gonna make fun of it but no it's really good so definitely check that out as well so and of course as always don't forget the return to us spare truth radio every sunday night at 8 p.m eastern standard time we'll be back next week same time same place wherever you can find us until then my name is eric and
2: i'm Justin. Peace.
0: F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.